Welcome back to Northern Overexposure Podcast. We've got a very special episode in store for you today. Yeah, it's the season one recap. We're going to go through uh, our favorite moments of season one, kind of rank the episodes, and I think we've just got a lot to talk about. Um, my name's Lee, always joined by my friend here. Hi, my name is Charles. And uh, if you haven't figured it out yet, I, I love the show. I think Charles likes the show too, but this is his first time watching it. So we've got the sort of like beginner's uh, opinion of the show with Charles. Yeah, I've never seen the show before. I'm looking at it with fresh eyes. And yeah, I got to say that I do like the show. Season one, at least yeah. Season one, yeah. Yeah, what are your thoughts on season one? Well, yeah, let's talk about the overarching of it. I like it so far. Definitely different from the other shows that I watch. And it's also a lot more quieter than the other shows. Yeah, I feel like that's a, a constant talking point about the show with us. Uh, is it's pacing, it's, uh, as you said, it's quietness. It's sort of like lack uh, of tension, if that uh, makes any sense. It doesn't sound great, but it trust us, it's very good. <laughs> yeah, there's no huge climactic uh, fights or action scenes. <laughs> or really dramatic scenes of people like cheating on each other and uh, stuff like that. It, it's really just, you know, small little Sicily, Alaska town. Yeah. And despite it's, you know, the things that we just listed that it's lacking, despite that, it always seems to capture these very human moments between, uh, between, between like small town folk, you know, and, you know, people are like all over. Yeah. It was so good that it, I just figured this out today, actually. It got nominated for an Emmy for the pilot. Yeah, we were trying to figure out like what awards it might have garnered or been nominated for for this first season. Um, trying to kind of like back calculate the awards season and like what episodes had been uh, broadcast at the time. But yeah, so I guess we found out the pilot was nominated for an Emmy. Is that right? Is that what you just yeah, said? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, the pilot was nominated for an Emmy. It did not win the Emmy, though. In fact, I don't think it won uh, any Emmys yeah, until season have, two. I don't think it picked up any awards. Uh, though it was nominated, I'm sure uh, Joel and Maggie probably got their nomination, if not this year, then the next season. Yeah, lots of uh, lots of awards. I guess I guess we'll have more to talk about. There'll be more trophies in the in the awards cabinet uh, at the end of season two. Yeah, they'll definitely have something to bring home. When it comes to season two. Did you mention, um, we were briefly talking about this before we hit record. Uh, you mentioned something about like this was picked up mid-season, right? Yeah. So CBS picked it up mid-season, which means that it came in, the season starts in September. Gotcha. And that means it came in in January. It's a mid-season pickup. And they generally do this for television shows that, uh, how do I put this politely? They don't have a lot of faith in. Yeah. They're just kind of giving it half a shot, I guess, or they're, they're not sure it's going to last, so they don't want to green light it for an entire season yeah or like you know an entire like 20 episode or whatever run yeah like a standard uh 22 episode run for mm -hmm. seasons they picked it up at half season and i don't know if it replaced a show though that is also a factor in okay, when a show comes sometimes in. it fills a slot yeah like a show they they let a show run uh at the beginning of september and they realize that the numbers aren't picking up so they'll just we'll prematurely it. cancel it wow. and then they'll let another show kick in. And I can't tell if that's what Northern Exposure picked up in. But 
it's still impressive that it came in midseason and did as well as even an Emmy nomination yeah. in its season one. Yeah, it's got, you know, it's already getting nominated just with sort of like half of its potential. Uh, I know we're supposed to be talking about only, well, I'm not saying only, but our goal here is to talk about season one. But I do kind of want to, since we're talking about this uh, scheduling of the show, I kind of also want to talk about season two because season two has seven episodes. So is that also just like, is it just, were they... Uh, given another half season or were they just like allowed to finish out the season with a, with a shorter run or, you know, uh, not season, I guess, but cause it's the m- second season. But Yeah. I, I, I see what you mean. My gut instinct is that no, they probably just picked it up for another half season. It wasn't to finish out the remaining episode orders. There's mm-hmm. no way they would have done that. They would have just allowed them to have another shot at just seven episodes. And then uh, probably after they proved their medal, they would uh, would have allowed them to get a full episode order, which I believe is what happened in, in season, season three, three, right? Yeah, there's something like 20 or 30 episodes. Uh, we can we we can think about that once we get there, but uh, this is nice. We had a nice little compact season. wasn't a whole lot of commitment for you, I hope, Charles. But uh, yeah, it kind of we kind of breezed through it. You know, it's I mean, obviously we've been doing this at about a pace of like one a week, so it's mm-hmm. been a couple months since we started. Uh, but you know, this, overall looking at it, it's it's easy to wrap my head around season one. Yeah, though I think we talked about this in the finale as well but as a whole for season one i don't know if it actually feels like a complete uh character arc for joel right yeah there there may be some overarching narratives but i don't feel like that's what's going on in this show it's more of a i think we mentioned it's more of like an episodic show rather than a serial show at this point Mm -hmm. because at the end of uh at the end of the season it's not really a definitive uh marker for the way the way the the way the series begins is the problem of Joel um, sort of being manacled, as he says, to the town of Sicily. And we sort of feel that maybe his his overarching story would be that he's trying to escape. At least in the first few episodes, he fights it a lot. Um, but by the end of the series, um, sorry, by the end of the first season, that's kind of not really brought up too much in the last episode. He He is either comfortable with living in Sicily or that's just not a conflict at, at this point in time. Yeah, I would agree with you there. Yeah, definitely for the first few episodes, you can feel him having that be the main conflict. But as we get on from, I, I want to say episode five might be the demarcation. Ever since from episode five, we can see that the townsfolks become their own characters and we can have even whole entire plot lines just devoted to Without those Joel. characters. Yeah, yeah. Just without Joel in its entirety. What do you uh, What do you think is going to happen in season two with Joel? I think that. Mm, okay, I have a couple of predictions. First prediction is that I bet there's going to be a new character being introduced. Okay, yeah, that's fair to say because we have been getting new characters uh, throughout season one, and even in the very last episode, we get Bernard. Um, maybe that's the only new ep- new character in that episode, but seems to be, you know, picking up characters as the as it goes along pretty quickly. Yeah. I bet there's going to be one introduced in the main cast and it's going to be that person is going to be signed on. Um, that's my first prediction. My second prediction is that there will be a, at the, at least toward the end of season two, there's going to be a game changer for Joel and his contract. I bet that's going to introduce conflict in season three. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like how, how the season will end with, uh, so you think Joel is definitely still, I'm going to be trying to flee Sicily. 
Um, because as we said, it doesn't really resolve in that way. Not, not to say that he's not trying to leave still. It just doesn't seem to be the major conflict by the end of the series, uh, season. Yeah. I'm betting that something will change or some sort of stipulation will come into effect at season two with Joel's contract. And that is what's going to affect him to some degree. Uh, I think that's going to be my second prediction. And I think the third prediction is that I think the show will get weirder, like quote unquote weirder. Yeah, we, we've hinted at this a lot and I've uh, sort of giddily anticipated the second season because uh, I think we mentioned in the last episode, after the success of Aurora Borealis, the season, season one finale, the showrunners were sort of newly reinvigorated by this sort of uh, affirmation to their ability, you know, to their desire to make the show kind of wacky. And they see that the the season finale does well enough that they know they can do whatever they want and audiences will appreciate it. Yeah. I guess I can't really um, make my own predictions for season two since I've already seen it a number of times. But I can say this is not a spoiler. Obviously, there are some some uh, major characters and some recurring characters in this cast uh, that perhaps don't get as much of the spotlight as some of the other recurring characters like Ed or Chris. But I will say I do feel that, you know, Shelly, she's getting more airtime uh, throughout the first season. Ruth Ann kind of makes this triumphant return in the last episode. She's hardly, she has very little to do in much of the first season, but, um, you know, these characters are coming back and hopefully um, they get more screen time, more spotlight in the second season. Okay. I would, uh, I would really hope that later on in season two in the future, that there's going to be more characters that are introduced, but not from the outside. Like Carl Bernard was introduced from, I think he was driving up from Seattle. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Portland. Yeah. Portland. Close he enough. was driving in for Portland. Uh, I hope that more of the townsfolks get introduced than the ones that we've already seen. Cause it does have 839 people in it. And yeah, that's, a, most, that's not an insubstantial amount. I mean, it's small, but there's people there. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully we can be introduced to more characters that have already been a part of the town. That's something that I really want to look into. Like, I don't know, like the local librarian or the barber. Um, just other just other characters established in the town. Yeah, I think you'll be happy with season two. Um, hopefully we'll get some more natives, Sicily natives. Nice. Well, speaking on that, uh, what is your favorite character so far? At yeah. least for you in season one. Let's do some rankings. Uh so I've got, um, it's hard to draw favorites, but I've got a few, um, few characters that maybe we can talk about. Uh, I would say uh, my favorite character, I think my favorite character throughout the entire first season would probably have to be Ed. I mean, we're always talking about Ed and uh, he's a, you know, kind of a simpleton, but um, I think even our guests seem to like him a lot. I would, I have some other some other characters maybe we can talk about, but what what do you think for your number one favorite character of this season? Yeah, I am in the same camp as you. I am pro Ed. Yeah, it's like he he's is not, my favorite character. Maybe he's not the most exciting character. He's great, but he's he's never bad. You know, in the worst episodes, he is sort of the redeeming factor. <laughs> which is yeah, great to have definitely to have him there. He's just great as a handyman and just uh, a useful prop that the writers can use to fill in any role that they want him to be like oh well in this episode ed is joel's caddy or in this episode yeah. ed is the delivery 
person or he's the and this filmmaker. one he's the taxi cab driver like, oh, the yeah, documentary. He's <laughs> yeah yeah and uh just some runner-ups in that category i think i might have mentioned a couple times that chris is one of my favorite characters in the show so he's definitely a runner-up uh in this season though i think ed has him beat um episode per episode also um uncle anku i really like uncle anku i know he's in only one episode but ed's uncle gotta say he tops the charts there he's one of my runner-ups you have any other like sort of tertiary characters that uh, you really liked? Yeah, I liked uh, Ranger Burns. Yeah, big fan of him. Yeah, and I, you know, hopefully he'll come back. I, I don't remember if I spoiled this or if I didn't, but uh, he definitely missed that guy. Love him. <laughs> yeah, so I'm a big fan of him. I want to say that most characters I do enjoy to an extent. I, I wouldn't say there's any character that I outright hate. At this moment. What about like uh, Wayne, Shelley's ex-husband? Or- well, he's written to be, to be hated, yeah. right? Oh, so you're yeah. like, okay, so it's a, it's a successful character. Yeah. Because I don't like it. Right, right, right. It's not like it's a character that the audience is supposed to be sympathetic to, and yeah. I still am not sympathetic toward him. No, yeah. <laughs> I think that Wayne is supposed to be written as a kind of a aggressive, uh, abrasive person. And we can feel it in his performance. And I, I think the actor, you know, hit it out of the park in doing it that way. Yeah, I guess you're right. He, he plays a good character. Um, yeah, let's keep, this is fun. I like kind of like uh, nominating our best choices. Do you want to do, uh, let's talk about like our favorite episodes, like beginnings and endings. Like, do you have a favorite opening uh, for an episode? Yeah, this is not an opening gambit that's happens after the beginning after the the, credits. the music in the credits, gotcha. Yeah, but I would still consider this to be the beginning. But it's in episode three, Soapy Sanderson, whenever yes. Maggie lands her plane and she's going, she's like into driving her plane into the woods. Yeah, we got, yeah, she's got Maggie's theme. There's a lot of great dollying sort of uh, camera movement, and that music is incredible. Yeah, Maggie's theme is playing. We're being introduced to Soapy Sanderson's a new character, and we get a little background on the other characters that aren't Joel, which I really like. Yeah, beginning with season uh, episode three, we can already see the other townsfolk's characters developing. So I'm a big fan of that opening. What about you? That's uh, that's my runner-up. Uh, for some reason, uh, no, I, I think yeah, for my favorite. Episode opening in season one is uh, for Brains Know How, the second second episode, because it gives us Chris Stevens, who we're sort of teased uh, in the first episode. We get to see Chris, but he doesn't have any lines and he's not established as a character. He's not given a name, um, but he's the very beginning of episode two. And it's a very familiar, at least for me, uh, feeling, um, you know, an episode starting off with sort of a Chris, Chris in the morning uh, sermon uh, if you don't recall, um, the beginning of this episode is uh, he's reading Walt Whitman, that uh, poetry that Maurice uh, sort of has this big feud over. That's my favorite. Yeah, I think that's a great way to introduce the character too because that's our very first time seeing him. Yeah, and he, we just see him doing what he does and he's not necessarily, he doesn't have to be given this uh, this large amount of exposition. He's just like, this is what he does. Look at it, you know, we get it. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking on favorite openings, do you have a favorite ending? Yeah. Um, I think my favorite episode ending is again, uh, Brains Know How. That's, uh, 
you know, that's the one where Joel uh, visits Maggie at night and for, for a house call, very, you know, cozy, um, sort of nighttime lighting, very blue, like the blue of the moon. And uh, Joel does a little bit of a dance, a jig back to his car because, you know, it's sort of a callback to the, uh, to the dancing that Uncle Anku was teaching him in this very episode. It's got a great sort of uh, score as well. You know, we talked about the um, sort of the pan flutes or return at the end of this episode as Joel does his dance. What, uh, what's your favorite ending? Yeah, that was actually my runner up was okay. going to be that one. Yeah. But my favorite one is very similar to uh-huh. your ending. It's going to be the one where it's in Kodiak moment where the snow is falling and Joel is also dancing. Though my stipulation is that it has to have the deleted scenes with it that prolongs him dancing. That, that would have been, that probably would have been my, uh, no, brains know how might have still been my, been my choice. Uh, but it is my runner up Kodiak moment. Cause yeah, get the great scene with Maurice, uh, He's, again, probably not one of my favorite characters, but whenever he's written correctly, whenever he has the right things to say, mm-hmm. I love that scene um, where he talks, tells Joel he's going to live forever. It starts <laughs> snowing. We get to see snow for the first time in this Alaskan summer. That's a wonderful, wonderful ending. Uh, yeah. Well, what's been your uh, episode ranking so far? Um, do, you, do you have some? Yeah. 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 I mean, I do. You want, let's just get into it. Should we do, uh, let's hear you first. Cause I've seen the show a lot, but can you give us, there's eight episodes in season one. Let's go from uh, worst to best. Yeah. Worst to best. Yeah. Worst to best. So the, the last one you name is number one. So you start with the worst episode and then you'll, you, as you continue, it's like, for each episode that you list, it gets better. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. So I got to say that my least like episode slash the worst episode (laughs) is Sex, Lies, and Ed's Tape. Ooh, wow. Episode six. Not a big fan of that one. Mm -hmm. And then uh, episode seven, Kodiak Moment, is also my second to least like episode. So six and seven, not a big fan. Then it goes to Dream Schemes and Putting Grains. Yeah. Then Brains, Know How, Native Intelligence. Gotcha. Then it goes up to the pilot. Okay. And then Aurora Borealis, the episode eight, the finale. Mm-hmm. Then it goes to Soapy Sanderson. Mm-hmm. And then my favorite episode is episode five, the Russian, Russian flu. flu. Yeah, I think I, could, I think I knew that was going to be your favorite uh, just because we, we've been talking about it so much. It's I think you will certainly like season two if you like uh, Russian flu. There's some episodes that are very similar uh, and there's just some sequences that, you know, uh, I think our ranking is very, very, uh, very much the same, but there's a sort of one striking difference in our ranking. I'll go through mine from, from okay. worst to best. So, I, you know, I kind of agree with you. A lot of the worst episodes, um, I actually have some, some sort of like tied, uh, placements like, you know, one is not necessarily better than the other, but for the worst episode, I think definitively, um, ahead of all the other episodes would be Kodiak moment for me. That's probably simply because, uh, I'm not a huge fan of the Jesse, the bear storyline, which is, uh, Oh, and also, yeah, the Chris getting adopted. It's just, that's the one that jumped the shark in the wrong way. Cause there, yeah. are, there are some episodes in the first season that do some very strange things, but it's exciting for this one. It's just feels very false for some reason. No, no, I'm, I'm with you there, man. I forgot about that. Oh, <laughs> should I rearrange my things? No, 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 Maybe that's fine. the worst episode. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> this, yeah, no, by the way, neither of us are right in what we're saying. Like, 
this is not definitive. This is just our own personal thoughts at the time of asking ourselves this question. I imagine, you know, a year from now, I might change the ranking, but uh, I did put um, the next worst was a tie between uh, dream schemes and sex lies. And uh, there are definitely things about both episodes. Um, whenever I look back at them, I, I typically might skip them on a rewatch, but because I had to watch them this time, I was a little nervous. I was going into them. I, I was thinking that I, you know, this would be, you know, the episode where Charles decides not to continue watching. <laughs> but I was always surprised at um, little storylines and scenes, um, little pieces of uh, value in each episode. There's cool. There's cool stuff that happens in both of those episodes. You know, just a, a, one example would be Sex Lies and Ed's tape. Uh, I really love the direction of that episode, and that's something I probably didn't really pick up on until this watch through, but kind of blown away by, I think what may be one of the worst episodes of the season is probably the best directed episode in my opinion. Next up is the pilot. Not a, not a big fan of uh, the pilot, but you know, it has, it has uh, some merit there. Mm -hmm. The Russian flu is next for me. And you may think that's kind of low on the list, but the only reason uh, it's not higher is because I really do think that the next three are uh, superb episodes. Um, mm -hmm. Aurora Borealis, uh, Soapy Sanderson, you know, these, you don't want to skip any of these episodes. Soapy Sanderson is one that I, I don't remember liking as much, um, but it really is. You know, you got Maggie's theme. You got some great Joel Maggie arguments throughout that episode. Mm -hmm. um, Chief Ronkonkomo. I mean, come on. That's also one of my favorite, you know, little uh, tertiary characters. Um, but of course, you probably guessed it. My favorite episode of season one was uh, Brains Know How. I sort of feel like maybe you and me switched on uh, Brains Know How and Russian Flu, sort of our rankings. That's the we main did. difference. So I will say, um, I wish I could actually rank Russian, Russian Flu higher. It's great. Um, maybe the reason why I, I put it lower is is simply because uh, it felt very, um, very singular in its plot. Like everything sort of wove itself into one storyline, which mm -hmm. isn't bad at all. That's not to say that that's a, a um, that's a negative quality, but maybe it's sort of an outlier. You know, it's an outlier in its own right, but maybe also because of its singular plot, it's a lot different than the other episodes that have multiple plots going on. But why would you say, um, what kind of uh, ranks Brains Know How lower for you? I really like Brains Know How and Native right. Intelligence, and there's nothing wrong with the That's just episode. how the chips fell, I guess? Yeah, it's just kind of like how the chips fell uh, right then and there. I, It's interesting that you say that you are not a huge fan of the plot lines interconnecting into one plot line. Yeah. Because uh, I actually like my plot lines being organized like that way because yeah. I'm not a fan of... Uh, one, uh, plot lines that meander or they don't relate back to the main plot line. And maybe it's just because uh, I can't juggle two things at once. So that's no, why I, I like that was, so much. I think but, sex was sex lies. One of those where it had just way too many things going on. Oh yeah. Yeah. Way too many chefs in the kitchen. Yeah. It, it, just too many things going on that didn't lead to anything. And I really did not like that. Well, I, th I think like the perfect amalgam of, of our tastes is um, something that, I think we can both agree on is whenever an episode has very sprawling plot lines that in the end come together, 
you know, in the end it's yeah. revealed that they're all working on the same theme, even though they're very separate from each other. Um, which is different than what we've been talking about, but there are some great episodes that do that. Yeah. I would have to say that my favorite episodes are the ones that have Joel growing as a character. Right. Now I did rank Aurora Borealis really high and that one does not have a lot of Joel um, specific plot lines, but um, mostly I just really like seeing Joel as the main character in him, uh, seeing Cicely through his lens yeah, rather I think, than seeing the townsfolks. I think that's a very impressive episode. Aurora Borealis is a great sort of showstopper, but the reason why it's, you know, again, why it's not so high on my list is um, because of what you just said. Yeah, it doesn't feel very Joel-centric, um, which is not to say it's a bad episode. It's an incredible episode. Um, yeah. Of TV. Speaking on that for season one, I'm not too sure how I feel about them branching off into other characters. So when we're introduced in the early episodes, it was very Joel centric, right? It was heavily relied on Joel because he was the main character. He was the protagonist. So I like that. And I understand why the show creators would want to branch off to the other townsfolks and have plot lines dedicated entirely to just them. But I would, I, I, would, I think I would like it more if they went back toward just Joel centric. Yeah, I think episodes. The, I think the perfect equation that hopefully um, they'll figure out in the second season. But I think what what we're getting at is maybe perhaps the perfect equation would be uh, the A story being Joel, and then yes. whatever other subplots can be anything else. However, you will we will get episodes like Aurora Borealis where Joel is, you know. He's in the lower background. on the list or maybe not even there at all. And I think you'll still like some of those episodes, but I think the, you know, the perfect formula for that, for a good episode would be Joel is in our primary plot. Um, I do have some honorable mention things. Uh, do you have a yeah. favorite Chris sermon? Uh, the very first one, the one about the Walt one Whitman. The Walt Whitman, yeah. Yeah, I really like that. Not only is it just good writing just to have the, in, the character being introduced right then and there and in, you get a sense of who he is within his own profession. But I just like the subject matter itself. It was Walt Whitman. I think mine is sort of the evil twin of that episode. It's uh, Aurora Borealis, which again starts with a Chris sermon. This time it's at night. He's talking about the moon. I've always, um, you know, (laughs) I, you can tell I really like the show because anytime I see a full moon, I'm typically that, that monologue is going to play in my head. It's crazy. I've watched that episode so many times. I've, you know, heard that quote again and again in my head. Mm-hmm. I also just, you know, honorable mention, um, I like the Soapy Sanderson. There's a consultation scene where Joel goes to talk to Chris uh, and Chris gives him a whole sort of spiel about him. Well, you know, the way I see it, if you're here for four more years or four more weeks, you're here right now. You know, and I think when you're somewhere, you ought to be there because... It's not about how long you stay in a place. It's about what you do while you're there. And when you go, is that place any better for you having been there? By answering your question? Um, no, not really. <laughs> you know, I also have an honorable mention for that very same episode, but it's not that scene. It's the one where Maggie and Joel meet up and Maggie is cutting wood and Joel's coming by to apologize to her and they decide to meet in the middle, the proverbial yeah. meet in the middle. And I really like that scene. It's when they can finally 
kind of understand each other of yeah. what they're coming from. For some reason, I, I always remember Soapy Sanderson as not being an amazing episode, but it really does have so many great scenes with Maggie and Joel. For instance, the uh, sort of romantic fireside dinner that they have, the confrontation on Main Street where Maggie yells at Joel after having a bum rushed him in his office whenever he's giving that interview to the documentary crew. He's reading the the quote from uh, Chief Seattle, I believe. There's a lot of great yeah, just yelling and, I and just about that. great acting. It's perhaps the best uh, Maggie Joel acting, you know, in the entire mm-hmm. season. It also has, I talked about it in that particular podcast episode, but it was the one that reminded me the most that this series was filmed in 1990 and not yeah. in 2019. Why is that? Because there was, it showed Soapy Sanderson's dead body oh, when right, he committed yeah. suicide. And they were so nonchalant about it. And I thought that was, there's no way that they would show that in, in CBS now. That's crazy. Uh, Yeah, maybe you're right, I guess. But I could see it. But... I, I, get, I, get, I definitely get what you're, see what you're getting at. Um, by the way, do you have a favorite episode of our podcast that we've produced? Not, a, not the show, Northern Exposure, but what is our best performance as a podcast host? <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to give it to the same episode that's my favorite, uh, episode five of the pod. Which one? Oh, Russian flu. Yeah. Russian flu. I'm a big like fan that? of that one and what we talked about. Me too. Yeah. We, we kind of dug deep on some Susan Sontag, some... Some some philosophies there. Yeah, imagery in general and how it correlates to um, our eyesights and perspectives of the world. I'm just a big fan of those ideas. Yeah, we got to be sure to. Uh, that's something I think we should we should try to focus on for every episode. Is try to find some sort of a um, topic that's maybe tangential but enough to to discuss. Yeah, that we can overanalyze on. Yeah, which is a lot of fun. What about you? What's your uh, favorite episode of the pod? Uh, it's hard. I've listened, I've had to listen to them a lot because of, you know, editing You're each episode. <laughs> so it's at this point, at the end of the season, it's all blurred together. I do particularly remember, um, I think we really started hitting our stride on episode three on Soapy Sanderson. And I think that is uh, one of my uh, favorite episodes by our performances. Though I think we, we um, at this point, we've kind of hit our stride. Um, we've kind of like upped our game as far as uh, our recording techniques. Um, I started taking Flonays. Uh, so <laughs> That's the game changer. Yeah, I have, it's Flonase. stuffy, hopefully. I, I don't sound as stuffy as the first couple episodes. Um, yeah, I got the mic stand, a proper yeah, mic stand. Yeah, proper uh, microphone holsters. Yeah, previously we were recording using a... Um, like a paper towel roll like, and rubber bands. <laughs> yeah, we would use we would insert it into the uh, empty no, hey, space sh- in the paper don't towel. Give, don't give them the don't give away the industry secrets, man. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> also, I All don't right. want to sound like amateur, but uh, that's true. <laughs> I guess you know we we still don't have a rec- like a proper studio to record in. Like we're not going to get the best acoustics. You know, probably we'll we'll hear some um, reverberation from the room, but I think it's tolerable. Hopefully, um, if you have any complaints, yeah. you can write please in. email us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, best guest. Who is our best guest in season one? Oh, well, oh wait, is... I should say, I should say we are jumping the gun a little because we um, are recording this before we have listened back to um, our guests for Aurora Borealis. So, you know, 
this competition should not include our special guests for um for episode eight. But for anything before that, who's your favorite guest? Yeah. Uh first of all, I have to preface by saying all of our guests did spectacular. They were yeah. all wonderful. They gave great analysis. Something that we they always picked up on something that we never picked up on. Exactly, which is crazy to think about because we tend to try to like talk about, you know, point by point, scene by scene. Uh, we, you know, we try to talk about everything, but I love having that outside perspective, not only from someone who has never seen the show before, which is always fun to, to, to find, but, uh, just someone who's not having this conversation with us, you know, it's good to yeah. hear what might so, come up. Yeah. Again, uh, all of them are great. They're fantastic, but I would have to say that my favorite one, uh, is probably episode four with our guest Ty. I really, really you know, like the yeah, way he cracked it. We should uh, make a plaque for Ty cause he's my favorite as well. <laughs> <laughs> Ty wins best guest season one. We might switch up the ruling a little bit in the next season. Like maybe we should allow people who have seen the show to, um, to come on as a guest and you know maybe maybe some of these uh, previous guests can try to try to win the spotlight again. But, yeah, uh, yeah. For season one, it goes to tie. Uh, honorable mention to my friend Will, who did. I was going to uh, say that too. Sex lies because his is just so out of left field. I love his interpretation of of how to how to give notes on the episode. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, loved Will's guest commentary on it. Do we have any corrections or any? Uh, any things that maybe we, we started talking about in other episodes that we didn't get to finish? So we do have a quick punch-in correction. This is from um, our first write-in to our podcast uh, email. Yeah, it's our first fan mail. Um, Woo! So, yeah, thanks very much uh, to Joe Doherty. I hope we're saying that right. For writing into the show, he had a quick correction. Yeah, so Joe had written to us to tell us that the beer signs in a brick are actually from breweries in the Northwest. So for instance, the Red Hook Brewery is based in Seattle and the Full Sail Brewery is based in Hood River, Oregon. And apparently he personally visited the brick in Rosalind and he said it was just like being inside an episode of the show. That is amazing. Yeah, that very he actually cool. got to see that. Are you familiar with Moose Fest? Charles vaguely is that the meetup for Northern exposure fans? Yeah, I, I've never been, um, but it sounds pretty incredible. Uh, I actually have a, a friend who I have a friend who's gone to Moose Fest. Jay and Charlotte went to Moose. Wait, Fest. Whoa, 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 whoa! Yeah. They've actually been to Moose Fest. <laughs> yeah, we should definitely ask them uh, whenever they're on the show next time what it was like. Why you seem pretty excited? You want to go to Moose Fest, Charles? I just didn't know they <laughs> went. The Moose Fest. They're big That's fans. That's incredible. Diehard fans. You know, people who watch the show are diehard fans. Um, when did they go? Like uh, like a few years ago or is this like 10 years ago? I don't know. We'll have to ask them. But uh, um, unfortunately, it seems like, at least for this year, Moose Fest is sort of a more informal celebration. Um, we're recording in 2019. Uh, and maybe it has already passed, actually. Anyway, let's hope for 2020. Maybe we'll go to Moose Fest. Yeah, let's go for that. Thanks again, Joe. Dirty. Doherty? How would you say that? Uh, Doherty. Thanks again, Joe Do Doherty. Doherty? Yeah, for writing to the podcast. Don't look him up on Wikipedia. That's probably not the, the same Joe Doherty that wrote into the podcast. <laughs> Why? Is that Joe Doherty uh, a criminal? He uh, may or may not be a war criminal. <laughs> uh, but it's certainly not the person who wrote in. Uh, we, we're very thankful for, for, um, for anyone who would like to write in. Thanks, Joe. It uh, 
definitely cheered us up. Yeah, definitely. Uh, loved seeing it. And if any of the listeners want to write in about any corrections or just really just want to talk to us of any kind, uh, please email us at Northern Overexposure Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, uh, I have a correction. I, I I don't remember which podcast episode it was. I want to say it was podcast episode three that I was talking about this. Mm-hmm. But I said that Northern Exposure had won 27 Emmys. Oh, it yeah. has it definitely did not win 27 Emmys. I okay. am sorry Maybe about that. It was that. nominated or it was like nominated for 27 awards or something. Yeah, it won 27 awards, okay. which some of them were Emmys, gotcha. but the other them were Golden Globes, Director Guild of America Awards, Writers Guild of America Awards, yeah. Peabody Awards. It won seven Emmys, okay, which is still very impressive. Seven Emmy wins, but no, it won 27 awards. Did not win 27 Emmys. That's uh, That would be my correction. Hmm. Here's a little update. Uh, I think I was talking about this in the uh, Sex Lies episode. I was infatuated with Sandy Smolin, who's the director. And um, I did, in fact, find a VHS copy of his uh, debut film. It's just titled Rachel River. I found it on eBay and uh, came in the mail. It's a really cool sort of a red uh, VHS tape. Actually, I can show you, Charles, where mm-hmm. I know the the... Listening audience at home can't see this, but one second. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, so you can see here um, it's got, you know, this is the VHS cover. There's a little laurel on the front that says uh, Best Cinematography Award U.S. Film Festival. I don't know what that means because <laughs> it, it was awarded Best Cinematography at the um, Sundance Film Festival. Uh-huh. This, this one just says U.S. Film Festival. <laughs> <laughs> one of those American Knock film off. festivals. Um, and uh, the tape itself is this really cool red plastic. Oh, what? Yeah. And it's actually like doesn't, doesn't really look like any other tape I've seen, like the uh, intake and like the different reels or the different rollers, I guess, mm-hmm. are kind of viewed through this very small rectangular clear plastic instead of, you know, your traditional circular kind of look. How was the contents? Of the red cassette tape. I will say, I mean, we talked about this off air, but let me go ahead and say this on air. Uh, This movie was not good. (laughs) Not trying to start a feud with Sandy Smolin. You know, I love my, you know, I love Sandy Smolin's work in uh, Northern Exposure. I'm sure he's a great uh, documentary filmmaker, but I got to say, I also, you know, apart from the content uh, of being, Pretty uninteresting. Uh, you know, I had to try to watch this twice. I did rewind it to try to see if it actually, because the first time I watched it, it was pretty boring. <laughs> you watched Literally. it twice? No, I didn't watch it all the way through twice. I had to, oh, I had to okay. attempt it twice. Okay. Yeah. I will also say that the cinematography probably does not deserve an award. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not trying to start any sort of, uh, not trying to start something, but unfortunately... Uh, you know, stick with, if you're interested in Cindy, Sandy Smolin, just watch the episode and uh, maybe, maybe pick a different, um, a, another one of his works. So you don't need to go see Rachel River. Didn't you have to get Rachel River off of uh, it was eBay when I got it? Yeah. Like a third, you couldn't even get it on Amazon. Like it was so yeah. bad that even offered it on there. Well, you know, it was probably a very small release, you know, cause it probably was only released. Uh, you know, I don't think it, I don't know. Maybe it made a theatrical run, like a limited release, but you know, I, I'm not upset that I have the tape. 
it wasn't it wasn't incredibly expensive to to order on eBay. The tape itself plays well, um, and it as I kind of mentioned, it looks really cool. Uh, I'm glad that I have it. You know, I might watch it again at some point just to kind of put on in the background. I like putting on tapes in the background, um, <laughs> just you know, to kind of like relax and wind down. But um, that's my that's my update for episode six. <laughs> So yeah, I think we, we've got our season one retrospective in the can. We're, we're going to take a break before we uh, hop into season two. So you won't get a new episode next week, unfortunately, but the following week we'll be starting with season two of Northern Exposure, the first episode of season two. What is that called? Yeah. So the name of the episode for season two, the very first one is goodbye to all that. Goodbye to all that. That's, that's interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm always... I'm very much into the uh, titles that they choose so far. Hey, what is the worst titled or the best titled episode of... They're all really good. So what's the worst titled episode of season worst one? Worst titled? Huh. Um, Maybe pilot, just because it's called pilot. But you can't really... Can't really no, uh, that's, a, any, that's a tradition, just yeah. to call it pilot. Uh, you, you know what? I, I'm not a fan of Sex, Lies, and Eggs tape. I don't yeah. think... I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, yeah, even a Kodiak moment, you know, even a Kodiak moment, I think, stands out above that. Yeah, uh, I think that's a way better title. Yeah, we got to get you to watch uh, Sex, Lies, and Videotape. We should do a, We should watch that. If we had oh, a Patreon, yeah, yeah, yeah. that would be like our, that would be our Patreon special. <laughs> yeah, we'll set up a Patreon so you can actually get this, uh, like, live. You can just see the video of us making this yeah. podcast. That's oh, going to no. be our Patreon I special. I don't think we should do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so until next time, we'll be back in a couple weeks. Um, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. We're available on, you know, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Uh, I'm sure... You know, it's probably bootleg somewhere else by now. Oh, yeah. It's probably <laughs> on LimeWire at this point. Yeah, wherever you listen to your podcast, we'll be there probably. And yeah, please rate, review, subscribe. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that helps in some way, right? I mean, we don't have a lot of followers, but maybe someone else will find this um, podcast because of uh, your support, audience. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you have any questions, concerns, uh, you can write into the Email is northernoverexposurepodcast at gmail.com. And I think that does it for season one. Charles, thank you for sticking through. Yeah, thank you for inviting me for this. No, it's been very enriching to share the show with you, but also to, you know, hear your perspective. Yeah. All right, well, let's just get out of here. I'll see you uh, in a couple weeks. Yeah, see you in a couple weeks. Northern Overexposure podcast is edited by me. Our theme song was remixed by Matt Jackson. Thanks to Laser Kitties for the podcast artwork. And thanks to Charles for watching the show and being my co-host. And of course, thank you for listening. <laughs>